thinking of starting a podcast? Well, try Anchor. It's free, easy to use, and its creation tools allow you to record and edit directly from your phone or computer. It'll even take care of distribution for you with a single tap so you can be heard on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Also, Anchor is the only place you can publish video podcasts directly to Spotify. Man, you can even make money using Anchor in a couple of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. It's truly everything you need in one place to make a podcast. So make sure to go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome back to It's Cavalier. Cavalier fans, man, we have been waiting what seems like forever to watch the next Cavaliers game. Ah, man. March 12th cannot come fast enough, can it, guys? I know you all are very much looking forward to Cleveland's Nets matchup on the list as we take on the New Orleans Pelicans. You know, very bright young core. Led by just bouncy power forward, Zion Williamson. With that being said, we're going to go ahead and take a look at the Cavaliers' next five opponents in this tough second half season schedule. At least that's what everybody says. So, you know, let's dig right in. Okay, so March 12th, Cavaliers coming right out the gate, take on the New Orleans Pelicans. Should be a really good game on the outside looking in. Both of these teams our playoff hopefuls uh cleveland looks to be getting healthy with uh the impending return of kevin love and larry nance and who knows man maybe we'll even get delavadova back that would be great because we've missed a true backup point guard and although delhi doesn't contribute all the time while he's in in your typical uh box score uh, statistics he definitely knows how to impact the game he definitely knows how to get guys in the correct places, and he can move the ball. He has a funky shot. He always has, but, man, he's he the, the true definition of grit and grind. So, New Orleans, what are we looking at here? We have Zion Williamson, obviously, who's off to a very good start this year, his first-time All-Star. We have Lonzo Ball, who people really still don't know what to make of Lonzo because his averages have dipped this year considerably. Me, I think that's more so a byproduct of Stan Van Gundy, one of the league's dinosaurs. Like, I think they completely screwed up the hiring. They could have gone with just about anybody else. I don't know why they brought Stan out to coach them. That may seem harsh, but just look at the style of play. They're just not playing that well, and they did not come out of the gate that well. They look like they have regressed, some of them anyways. Joining them is former All-Star Brandon Ingram, who is also on the rise, just like Zion. All right, so let's just dig into this even a little bit more. Zion Williamson, you know, at this point in time, is averaging 25.6 points. Zion has done most of what has been asked of him. Now, you would think that with his athleticism, with his size, he would be a bit of a better rebounder. But, I mean, considering that he's played a very small amount of games and he's still relatively young, well, very young, honestly, 
he's doing very well. You would like to see him play a, a little bit better on defense. His one-on-one defense isn't so great. His team defense isn't so great. I mean, he has the natural ability and capabilities to do these things. He can block shots. He can steal the ball. He just hasn't put it all together yet. And I think as he matures, as he starts to get into better shape, Zion will be leading in at least one of those categories at some point in his career. Brandon Ingram, on the other hand, 23.9 points per game. It's very similar stats to what he had last season. I think the only reason why he may not be in the all-star conversation is because the Pelicans aren't winning no games. Don't get me wrong. They're not doing any worse than the Cavaliers at this point, and they certainly didn't make the playoffs last year. But I think his evolution, his... His improvement last season is what propelled him to the All-Star game. So he's on a similar trajectory as Williamson. Very much in the mold of a Kevin Durant. Even down to the body. Lonzo Ball. Now, Lonzo Ball is where you can split a lot of hairs with some people. Because Lonzo has had an up and down career to say the least so far. Not so much down, but he's definitely had peaks and valleys when you're talking about statistics. 14.5 points this season to go along with 5.1 assists. Now, if you're looking at his totals from last year, he had 11.8 points per game, but he had more assists, 7 assists per game. So when you're taking those looking side by side, you can obviously see the, the addition of scoring this year, but he's slid a little bit from an assist standpoint and so have the rebounds down to 4.2 as opposed to 6.1 from last season so like I said to begin this podcast I think that that is more a microcosm of the Stan Van Gundy effect the the play style that they play with they man I just think those guys are suited for a more run and gun offense move the ball down the court possession after possession run those guys have the mindset and the skill set really to do that, especially Zion and Lonzo in the pick and roll. They can do that. No doubt in my mind. So I think, again, they're on a good trajectory, and we should see them start to win more games. They're sitting at 15-21, not really any different from Cleveland at 14-22. and 22. But we should really see them start to win games down the stretch. And they – Both of these rosters could look very different come trade deadline. There's a lot of talk around for Cleveland. Obviously, you have Andre Drummond, who has been in the trade talk since they've sat him down. But a buyout is looking more and more imminent as the days go by for him. Aside from him, you know, Kevin Love is uh, always in trade talks. Personally, you know, I've... I've gone back and forth with this a lot. You know, to start this season, I was more along the lines of, hell, maybe we should trade Kevin Love. And I've said some pretty harsh things about it. But now looking at the roster construction that we have, the addition of Jared Allen with how well he's played as a starter and some of the development of the younger guys on the team, I think we probably should go ahead and keep Kevin Love. If you're going to trade Drummond, which you have no choice at this point, or buy him out, then you absolutely, in my opinion, should keep Kevin Love unless you can get an offer that is better than than what we currently have right now. So for him, 
You know, he's he's always in trade talks. Aside from him, you know, they've put Jetty on the block. They've put Prince on the block. I'm sure they have McGee on the block. So this roster could look vastly different after the trade deadline. No issue with that, in my opinion, because Cleveland should know what his core is by now. That's Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, Isaac Okoro, Jared Allen, Larry Nance. Don't get me wrong, the young guys have developed, and I'm loving what I'm seeing out of Lamar Stevens, Dylan Windler, and especially Dean Wade, but those guys are probably a little bit more movable pieces than the than your flat-out starters. And Okoro, Nance, uh, Okoro, Nance, Garland, and Allen. So you can move those guys. If you had to have pressed, if what you were getting back was better. But this team could look drastically different. Same goes for the New Orleans Pelicans, who have had J.J. Redick in talks. Uh, as of late, they've had Josh Hart on the mind because of, of his impending free agency. So it just remains to be seen what both of these rosters are going to look like. But what I can tell you is this should be an excellent game between two of the teams uh, two of the game's younger teams. Hopefully we can pull out a win in this. I really think it's possible. I think we've started to see Cleveland hit its stride. And when these guys come back from injury, especially Nance, who was really the team's heart and soul on defense, just an all-around guy. He can just play at any position you ask him to. He's going to get starters minutes whether he comes off the bench or not. But I think this is a winnable game for Cleveland. I'm going to go ahead and throw a score out there. I'm going to say 114-110 Cavaliers. That would get them another step closer to advancing to playoff positioning and have more confidence coming out of the break. Uh, Aside from the Pelicans, the next team up on the docket happens to be a matchup with the Atlanta Hawks. Now, the Hawks, man... Both the Cavaliers and the Hawks were considered and really projected to finish near the bottom of the standings this season. Atlanta loaded up in terms of their roster. They added some much-needed veteran leadership in Rajon Rondo and Danilo Gallinari. They also traded for Clint Capella midway through last season, if I'm not mistaken. So they have guys on the roster to help contribute they're not just a bunch of young guys out there. Of course, they have Trey Young, resident all-star. They have Cam Reddish, who's really underperformed a bit. They have Kevin Huerter, who is definitely a flamethrow shooter at specific points. Kind of a do-it-all wing for them. But Cleveland comes into that game with an opportunity to do something that they haven't often had the chance to do and that is sweep the season series it just doesn't happen that often now the last time out you guys may remember that Cleveland won on a game-winning dunk from hero Lamar Stevens that game was just it was beautiful basketball to watch the the team came together when it needed it the most now I've already mentioned uh, prior to this specific episode that that I did I broke that play down a little bit in which Colin Sexton really just outside of character didn't take the last shot. He decided to give it to the open man. They they double teamed Colin and saw he saw a cutting Stevens and Stevens went for the game winning dunk. So that is the result of their last matchup. 
could we be in for something, you know, in for store for something a little bit similar this time around? I don't think so, but we could definitely see another good game. And if Cleveland is able to sweep the season series, you gotta, you gotta think that that's going to, at most, it will at least give Cleveland even more confidence. You're going to battle another all-star caliber guard in Trey Young, and if you can sweep the season series on him, you cannot tell me that Trey Young is any better than Colin Sexton. Just can't. The stats may be deceiving for Young, who gets a lot of his points from some very just questionable offensive calls. It's just terrible basketball, if you ask me. Don't get me wrong, Young is an all-star caliber guard, but he gets points cheaply. Y'all got to admit that. And I'm, if any Hawks fans are listening, I don't mean that to be disrespectful or a slight. It's just the truth. Young oftentimes is seen jumping into a defender. And I know that's just how the game is played today, but Young just seems to be on a whole nother level with it. Okay, Young ran over, I promise. Uh, Joining Trey Young is the aforementioned Clint Capella, who's having a pretty good year at 14.7 points, 14.2 rebounds, and the very underrated John Collins, 18 points, 7.6 rebounds, respectively. Those two are some of the game's best pick and roll partners so Trey Young is surrounded by some good bigs some really throwback bigs if you would really dive deeper into it they don't play today's style of NBA in any sense but they play within their role uh, and to John to John Collins especially he can ha- step out and hit that three from time to time aside from Young you have Kevin Herter you have Cam Reddish You have Gallinari and Rondo off the bench providing some veteran leadership. And as I mentioned at the beginning of this uh, segment, this team, along with the Cavaliers, neither were really projected to finish in the playoff contenders. So at this point in time, you have Cleveland that sits two and a half games back, and the Hawks are only half a game back. Like, damn, they're not that far away from the 10 seed. Neither one of them. And I think if I'm going to give an edge to one, I'd certainly give it to Cleveland at this point because they will have players returning, as I mentioned before. That's not to say the Hawks won't make it in because they de- they're only a half game back. They definitely have an opportunity to do so. And when you're talking about a, a player of Trey Young's caliber, nothing is out of question. The playoffs are certainly there. I definitely see it in his future. I've also see it in Cleveland's future now whether that will come at Atlanta's expense is yet to be seen but I'm liking Cleveland for this game Uh, I just I don't see how the Hawks after losing three straight to Cleveland will be able to uh, take this game Cleveland fresh off uh, just a, a loss to the Indiana Pacers that was all but given away. I don't see how Cleveland will come out flat. I definitely see them coming out with some energy and something to prove. And as I keep saying, keep harping on, this team probably will look different. Um, But until the trade deadline is over, we just don't know what this roster will look like. But we do know that the, the mainstays, the cornerstones, the future All-Stars in Colin Sexton and Jared Allen will carry this team as far as they can. 
So I'm going to go ahead and predict the score to this one. I'm going to go another kind of low-scoring game in today's NBA anyways at uh, 110-107 by way of Cleveland. Now, after the Hawks comes a real challenge for the Cavs, and that is the Miami Heat, who, you know, regardless of your opinion of them, whether they overachieved last year or not, they are still a very formidable opponent. I'm not going to go in in deep dive into whether or not I believe that they overachieved last season and that they really had no shot against the Lakers because I think that played out in in real life just as many people thought. You know, the Lakers were heavily favored going into that. So I'm not going to discuss that. What I will say is that Miami really boasts one of the game's better all-around rosters. Uh, you got guys like Bam Adebayo, who is just everything you'd want in the modern NBA big. He can defend, he moves the ball well, he can shoot, he can score, he can do anything you really ask of him, especially when healthy. They still have Jimmy Butler, who remains among the tops in in terms of wing players in the league. Uh, when healthy, And when motivated, Jimmy Butler can do everything on the court, especially defend. That's his calling court, after all. Uh, Aside from those two, they also feature very good shooters in Duncan Robinson and uh, Tyler Harrow. And and Cavs fans should be very, very familiar with those two guys. Uh, So, so far, Miami this season... It's no question that they definitely are still feeling the effects of such a a quick layoff between finals and start of season. It's just, you know, so it's it's not hard to see why their season started off rather disappointingly. Uh, They're sitting at 18 and 18 right now, which is good for sixth in the East. Uh, And that injuries have played a role in that. But trust me. Coming from a team, a guy whose favorite team's players, you know, the best players are out right now, and it, injuries just become less and less of an excuse. It, it really just depends upon what you are prioritizing. Now, while injuries played a role in their slow start, that is, they're still a very capable team and they they no doubt will make the playoffs i don't think they'll make it back to the finals but i definitely think they'll be in the playoff field whether that be in the top four or the last four we'll see uh this will actually be the first of three second half meetings between the Cavs and heat and as i said before i just think it'll be a good litmus test for how well the Cavs can match up against one of the league's you know better bigs in Adebayo. In Cleveland's last matchup with the Miami Heat, which came in last February, uh, it resulted in an overtime win in a very hard-fought game, 125-119. to uh, That game was just, I don't know how to really describe it. Kevin Porter Jr. was really the hero of the game. He scored a career-high 30 points and grabbed eight rebounds. Um, no Kevin Porter Jr. around this time. He got traded to the Houston Rockets for a second-round pick that we'll probably never see. Uh, And he was coming into the season thought to be a franchise cornerstone. He was going to be the guy to come off the bench to provide playmaking and scoring. Just He was just envisioned as the perfect type of player for today's NBA. Six-foot-four, could shoot the ball, 
good rebound, uh, wasn't bad of a playmaker, very athletic, still young, but he had maturity issues. So they shipped him off to Houston. And I've been saying this on Twitter for a long time now since that trade occurred. Kevin Porter Jr. is going to be a star in this league. He's going to, as soon as they bring him up from their G League affiliate Vipers, he is going to set this league ablaze. Y'all heard it here first. I'm not sugarcoating it. I think Cleveland may have cut ties with the young man too early. That's just my opinion. I'm sure the, the people of the fine organization believe that it was just a foregone conclusion and they didn't have a choice. And I get that, you know, you don't want that type of controversy. You don't want that type of bad chemistry around your locker room. I get that. And from all the reports, Kevin Pornier Jr. is very immature in some of the things that he uh, decided to do. And his off-season activities didn't help. So Kevin Porter Jr. side, Cleveland's really going to have to hope for a similar performance from uh, their leading man, Colin Sexton, to get a win in this matchup. Personally, I think this is a game that the Cavs could possibly lose. Uh, I'm going to go with Cleveland still in this. I think it'll be a hard-fought game. Again, I don't think it'll go to overtime, but I do say that Cleveland is going to have to uh, scratch and claw to a dub in this one. I'm going to go 120 to 115. Next on the matchup list is the Boston Celtics. Now, the Boston Celtics, it's really hard to formulate an opinion on, on them at this point in the season. They're in the fourth spot, and if anybody, if you guys have taken a look at the standings in the East, everybody's separated by like a game or two. It's just there's no room. A game can be the difference between the third seed or the sixth seed in this in this conference. It's crazy. And I can only imagine it'll continue to be that way down the stretch. Now, what's pretty clear with Boston is that they have not quite lived up to the offseason hype. And I don't know if it's just me, but there's hype surrounding this team every single year because the abundance of talent that they have year in and year out. One thing I will say about them is that I think that Danny Ainge has done them a disservice by not consolidating a lot of their uh, draft capital and players into a superstar. And don't get me wrong, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are two homegrown all-stars. They're, they, uh, they got, they're in good hands. I'll just say that. And they also have a pretty good supporting cast around them when you talk about former all-star Kimball Walker who's turned it on as of late you know I believe in his last four games he's somewhere around 23 and a half points and six and a half assists uh, which really points them going in a good direction but outside of Walker you have Marcus Smart who is all is and has always been a excellent defender and can hit the three ball now with consistency uh, and they have some pretty good wing players. And the one guy who I'm just going to single out, just because he was a former Cavalier, um, you know, the addition of Tristan Thompson, the the former Cavalier Ironman, was really thought to be somewhat of a, a turning point for them in terms of spacing. And don't, don't get me wrong. Again, Thompson is not to be viewed 
as a floor spacer. That's just not his bag. But his defensive switchability was one of the big selling points of signing him this offseason. But it's, it's pretty clear that that experiment may not be working out that well. Uh, I, I'm not going to go long term and say that it was a bad signing. But what I will say is I don't know if Thompson fits with their current roster. They're, uh, him along with Daniel Tice, I just don't think those guys are a good fit in the front court together anyways, at least starting. Um, Boston is one of those teams where you just you look at and you think, wow, with, with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and supporting cash, you would think that they would have gotten to the finals last season. I mean, they've been close a few times in the past couple of years. They gave LeBron and the Cavaliers a scare a few years back, and they, they really had the opportunity to do that uh, in years past since LeBron went to the Western Conference. They just haven't been able to do so. They haven't been able to get there. I'm not sure why that is. I don't know if that's because of coaching. Uh, and Brad Stevens is one of the best young coaching minds in the league in every sense. But I just don't know if he's being outcoached when it comes to the postseason or if maybe the players just are in over their heads when they get into specific matchups. I don't, I'm not really sure why they have not quite lived up to the expectation. But I do know that they seem to be heading in a good direction and that the Cavaliers will absolutely have their hands full trying to contain the team uh, that features Tatum, Brown, Smart, Thompson, and others. I just I don't see... I don't know if in the five games that I'm discussing in this podcast, I think that one is probably the one that scares me the most just because of how good the Celtics are. Now, I'm I'm really looking for the Cavs to come out battling in this one in a premier matchup between some of the game's best young players, but we'll really have to see. I'm going to, I know this is chickening out a little bit, I'm, I'm, but I'm going to reframe from predicting this one. I don't want to seem too overzealous. I, I don't want to put any bad luck Cleveland's way, so I'm going to reframe from predicting this one. The last of Cleveland's next five opponents comes in the form of the San Antonio Spurs, who sit at 18 and 14. Uh, fun fact about the, the San Antonio Spurs. Head coach Greg Popovich has been the man in charge for 25 seasons. Damn. That is just, that's almost as long as I've been alive, guys. I'm 27. I'll be 28 next month. Uh, Cleveland, on the other hand, J.B. Bickerstaff has been at the helm for really what amounts to really just half a season's worth of games when you factor in the shutdown from last year. Uh, but don't let Cleveland's record fool you because Bickerstaff really, with injuries factored in, he's had this team playing about as well as it can. You know, at any point in time, we've been without Kevin Love, you know, the five-time All-Star champion, Larry Nance, who's really the best defender on the team, and backup point guard Matthew Dellavedova, who has yet to play this season because of ongoing concussion issues. Although he has recently joined the team, which is – uh, definitely a good pick-me-up. I think there's there's coaching in his future once he's done. Uh, and I, God forbid that be this be the end for Delvadoa because one hell of a player, one tough SOB, and 
obviously a very good mentor to the younger players on our roster. But to think that San Antonio's head coach has been coaching for 25 years while our own has only been in for really half a season is crazy. Um, This game really could go either way. The Spurs, you know, they're still led by very good mid-range suitor, DeMar DeRozan, who just, you know, that guy can score in his sleep from the mid-range. Um, 20 points per game, 7.2 assists. They're all-around point guard. DeJounte Murray, 15.8 points, 7 rebounds, 5.4 assists. They they just got whatever they need when, when you talk about uh, the roster from top to bottom. And that's not to mention LaMarcus Aldridge, who can, you know, who's still hanging around. <laughs> Pretty old guy at this point, but he can still provide a spark. I don't think he's quite playing as much as uh, as he used to, but he's definitely mixed in there somewhere. Even Rudy Gay. I mean, there, there's just guys on this roster littered that can put up points in a bunch. You just never know what you're going to get. I think they're going to be right in the playoff contention uh, towards the end of the season, but they're not going anywhere. The, the, the West is just so difficult, and it's gotten even better this year. Uh, when you talk about you know Chris Paul being with the Suns now, the Lakers adding what they did this summer, uh, same ditto with the Clippers. They just this Western Conference is just very difficult. So I don't think they're going anywhere, but they'll make the playoffs for sure. Uh, Cleveland, on the other hand, uh, man, we we really got a tough road ahead of us with three of our next four coming against you know presumed playoff participants coming into this season and at 14 and 22 the road ahead that we face is just not for the faint of heart but once we get completely healthy I really think that that Cleveland controls its own destiny and I think we're we're on pace to make our first playoff appearance in either post-LeBron era. I just, I see it coming. I think it will. We're sitting two and a half games back of the 10th seed in the East for the play-in. And there's no way you're telling me that this team, when healthy, won't be fighting for position. Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, Isaac Agoro, Kevin Love, Larry Nance, Jared Allen, Dylan Windler, Lamar Stevens, Dean Wade, Throw in JaVale McGee or whoever else the Cavs will trade for. This is a playoff team. I don't care what anybody says. Had this team stayed healthy from the start, we might be in the top four in the Eastern Conference. Now, folks, go ahead and clown me, but they consider the East to be weak. I don't share that sentiment. But of the two conferences, it's pretty obvious that the Western Conference is the better conference at this point in time. So what does Cleveland need to do to make the playoffs? Well, they're going to have to embody the mantra that they so often quote and that I quote a lot, to be honest, and that is be the fight. They are going to have to be the fight against every single one of their opponents moving forward if they want to make the postseason. With that being said, folks, I'm going to go ahead and close down today's episode. As always, you guys can reach out to me on Twitter at it's Cavalier underscore pod with questions, concerns, topics, anything related to the podcast in general. Or if you, if you just have a basic question that you want to ask, um, you know, I'm very open minded. So, again, thanks for tuning in. Subscribe, like, share. 
however, on whatever platform that you're on and have a good day.